Hi, and welcome to the Friday, October 18th edition of the Land Grant Holy Land Tailgate Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Every Ohio State football game day this season, I will be kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest, whether you are watching the game at the shoe, road tripping to an away game, or enjoying it from the comforts of your own home. However, I will not be doing it all on my own, as every week I will be joined by 610 WTVN sports reporter, the legendary Lori Schmidt, for her unique insights into the game with a peek under the hat. Today, the fourth-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes, who are 6-0 on the season and coming off of the first of two bye weeks of the year, will play their first Friday non-bowl game since 1959, in which Woody Hayes' 14th-ranked team went out to California and lost to the 11th-ranked USC Trojans 17-0. Our Meredith Hine has a brief history of all of Ohio State's non-Saturday regular season games up on the site now if you would like to check that out. Tonight's Friday game will be at Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois, against the 1-4 Northwestern Wildcats, coached by Pat Fitzgerald. This is, of course, a rematch of the 2018 Big Ten Championship game, which the Buckeyes obviously won. The game will kick off at 8.30 Eastern Time and will air on Fox Sports 1. No, wait, strike that. After rain delayed the American League Championship Series on Wednesday night, pushing Game 5 into Friday, the Buckeyes and Wildcats will be bumped to the Big Ten Network. On the call will be Joe Davis with Brock Heward providing color commentary and Fox and the Athletics' Bruce Feldman reporting from the sidelines. As always, the game can be heard on both 97.1 FM and 1460 AM, where the voice of the Buckeyes' Paul Keels will be on the call, along with Ohio State and NFL legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary and Matt Andrews on the sideline reporting. The temperature a dozen or so miles north of Chicago will be 54 degrees when the game kicks off at 7.30 p.m. local time and is expected to stay in the low 50s for the duration. And as of now, there is no sign of rain. The sun goes down tonight at 6.05 p.m. Central Time in Evanston, so the game will be played completely under the lights. The line for the game has Ohio State minus 28 points at Bovada as of recording time. There are online books that have it at 27, however. The over-under for the game is 50 points with Bovada and 49.5 almost everywhere else. The Buckeyes are 5-0 against the spread following their season-opening victory over Florida Atlantic, and their last two games against Nebraska and Michigan State have failed to hit the overs, so bet accordingly. Northwestern, however, has covered their last two games, despite losing both, and four of their five games this season have also been under. We will have more on the Wildcats' record on the season shortly. But first, on Thursday, the Ohio State Athletic Department released the Buckeyes' depth chart and availability report, and it seems like Ohio State is a bit oddly banged up coming off of a bye week. Primary middle linebacker Baron Browning will be out for the game. Though Tough Borland is the Buckeyes' starter at the position, Browning has been increasingly getting more snaps than Borland, so it will be interesting to see what the rotation looks like tonight. Sophomore Dallas Gant is listed as the backup, but since the Will and Mike linebacker positions are practically interchangeable on this Ohio State defense, you could see Kayvon Pope or Taraja Mitchell get some playing time in the middle too. However, Mitchell is one of three game-time decisions for tonight. He is joined in the uncertainty by starting offensive tackle Thayer Munford and senior captain H-back C.J. Saunders. If Munford does prove to be out, that will make things complicated on the offensive line for the Buckeyes, as Joshua Alabi is also out for the game in Evanston. 
Alabi filled in for the injured Brandon Bowen a few weeks ago, but with him out, if the Buckeyes need to replace Monford, they will most certainly turn to former five-star recruit, redshirt freshman Nicholas Petit-Frere. The other players ruled out for the Buckeyes are wide receiver Cameron Babb, defensive tackle Noah Donald, receiver Elijah Gardner, tight end Jake Hausman, safety Ronnie Hickman, and defensive tackle Teron Vincent. Coach Fitz's Wildcats come into the game in really, really bad shape. Northwestern has lost to Stanford to open the season, and Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Nebraska in their last three games. Their lone win of the season is over UNLV back in the second game in September. The Cats are currently tied with Illinois for last place in the Big Ten West at 0-3 in conference. Northwestern is averaging 14.4 points per game, which is 128th out of 130 FBS teams this year, and they have given up 19.8 points, which is good for 30th nationally. We will get much more into the numbers in the matchup shortly, but before we do, we will take a short break, and then we will be back to chat with 610 WTVN sports reporter Lori Schmidt. All right, we are joined by the one, the only, the great Lori Schmidt. Lori, thanks for joining us today on a Thursday. It, this whole schedule is a little convoluted, so I appreciate you making the time. Oh, absolutely. Glad to be with you. It's uh, it's always a little weird when they throw us a curveball on the schedule, so I'm glad that we could get this done. Another thing that's going to be a little bit of a curveball is Northwestern has had a really unusual situation with their quarterbacking this year, whether it's due to injury, expectations not lived up to. What can you give the listeners uh, in terms of an update as to what is actually going on with Northwestern signal callers? Well, Northwestern has a five-star quarterback, a quarterback that may not have been quite as highly touted as Justin Fields, but was up there in Hunter Johnson. Um, and he had been playing for the Wildcats, but then suddenly wasn't. And he wasn't on their injury report, and he'd been playing sort of bad. So there is speculation that he was just simply leapfrogged on the depth chart by Aiden Smith. And Aiden Smith came in, and he looked pretty good originally. He, he didn't look bad last week, but it, that's an interesting situation because, one, there almost always seems to be a little – spike in offensive performance when a team throws a new quarterback at an opponent. They didn't prepare for that signal caller. They're not familiar with them. There always seems to be a little bit of a jump. And Aiden Smith is a guy who got quite a bit of ground on the ground uh, last week, but he's considered a pro-style quarterback. So Ohio State If they know what they're going to face when it comes to Northwestern and their quarterback situation, they are a whole lot smarter than me. Also, Ohio State players are a whole lot smarter than me. (laughs) Well, and Hunter Johnson, who is that five-star quarterback you referenced, he's had some some injury issues, uh, I think, in the offseason. And and then he started the season healthy, but we don't know if that's resurfaced. It just seems like a whole veil of mystery going on up in Evanston. The one mystery that we don't have is that the uh, the Northwestern offense as a whole has struggled this year. They bad. have yeah. A, a yeah, they have a fairly proficient wide receiver, uh, a guy who has caught 17 passes in the last three games, which is 
pretty darn good for Riley Lees, but he's one standout on an offense that has just struggled mightily. Yeah. Well, the offense is one of the worst in all of college football, especially in the Power Five conferences. But their defense, on the other hand, is actually one of the best. I believe it is number two in the SP Plus rankings, uh, which is pretty incredible when you consider the fact that the Northwestern Wildcats come into Friday night's game with a one in four record. So what are they doing on the defensive side of the ball that seems to be working so well? And Ryan Day praised them pretty, uh, pretty prophetically in uh, his Monday news conference. Yeah, they... Ohio State fans who watched Northwestern in 2018 in the Big Ten title game should be very familiar with this defense. A lot of carryover. And the scheme is one thing that carries over. What the Wildcats do is they keep you in front of them. They make you earn every single yard and just grind your way up the field. They they don't give up chunk plays. They're the best team in the nation at, at that. Um, they They don't get a lot of pressure. Because of that, because they are trying to keep you in front of them, they they won't put a lot of pressure on Justin Fields, but they do make you earn every yard. Now, interestingly, that means that they they want you to run, right? They 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 want you to run, and they have been 53rd against the run, which, given their other defensive numbers, is a little subpar for them. Um, so, I know that Ohio State will look at that and think that that may be an opportunity for them. Well, you mentioned that the fact that they're very similar to the defense that Ohio State still in the Big Ten championship game last year. Just keep in mind, everybody, that that, <laughs> that defense gave up 45 points to Ohio State. So obviously a much different Ohio State offense than than it was last year, just in terms of what they are trying to do. But as good as the defense was last year, as good as the defense is this year, uh, it is one that has been known to give up points to the Buckeyes. But one of the things that Ryan Day praised so much about the Northwestern defense uh, earlier this week was how how much experience the team has, how much consistency that they have from year to year. And I know that there's a few players on that defense that really are kind of the the backbone of the Northwestern attack and have been for a number of years. Yeah, they're not just experienced, but they have valuable experience. They, they're they're sort of the Raphael Palmeros of college football, and they're, they're stat accumulators. And for that reason, uh, Patty Fisher, middle linebacker, who is one player that Ryan Day actually singled out by name, is the country's current active leader in career-forced fumbles. He has 10 of those. Um, the Big Ten's current active leader in career interceptions, J.R. Pace, is a guy that plays for Northwestern. And, of course, they have a player who, even though they don't get a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks, Joe Gaziano is just three and a half sacks shy of setting the school record. So these are guys that compile stats, that play smart, that have gained valuable experience, and that have put that experience on tape this year, even as the team as a whole has struggled. Joe Graziano has, uh, you know, like you said, he's approaching the school record for sacks. But as a whole, that's not something that Northwestern does very well. They don't have a lot of tackles for loss. Kind of goes in with what you said about them trying to keep everything in front of them rather than trying to wreak havoc in the backfield. Yeah, they're 104th 
in the nation in tackles for loss. And, and that's a very similar number to what they went into last year when they played the Buckeyes in the Big Ten title game. Um, so that, that they force turnovers without getting a lot of pressure on opponents, which is kind of interesting. They do have a lot of forced fumbles. Uh, Northwestern's game notes actually refer to Patty Fisher, who we talked about earlier, as Mr. Steal Your Ball. That is what happens when you let nerds pick nicknames. Yeah. I mean, you've got Mr. Steal Your Ball versus the Predator for Ohio State. Like, I think Ohio State's already won that battle. Yes, yes. There, there's no chasing Ohio State when it comes to nicknames of defensive linemen. Yeah, I see what you did there with chasing Ohio State. Yeah, well done. yeah uh, sorry. This is what happens when you let nerds make puns. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Very good. Um, well, Lori, a lot's been talked about this week about the game, fact that the game was on Friday night. Then there was the interruption to the original uh, schedule because of um, the rain in New York that forced the ALCS game to be pushed back. As somebody who I know you uh, officiate high school sports, you know and appreciate especially the history of Ohio or of high school football in Ohio. I just kind of wondered what your thoughts were on the Big Ten and especially Ohio State playing collegiate football games on Friday nights in the fall. It's awful. I mean, if there was a legitimate reason for it, if, you know, there was a, a stadium, sure. uh, the, yeah, last, yeah. the the last uh, Friday night game that Ohio State played in before this was because USC and UCLA were sharing a stadium. And so they, they had evenings where they had to play on a Friday night. That That's one thing. Uh, this is just, it's a mess. It's it's really stupid. It's a, a gimmick, and the Big Ten is big enough and established enough and profitable enough that they don't need to rely on gimmicks. It's upsetting. I know of people who have contacted me versus Twitter who they're going to their local high school game. They're they're not watching this. I mean, Ohio State's such a big favorite, and I know that some of that was before Ohio State's injury report was put out there, which, you know, is something we probably also need to touch on real quickly. But um, they're such a big favorite that they are going to their own homecoming high school football games as opposed to turning into this one. And, you know, Northwestern, they're upset about it too. They might not be known as, you know, they've got good high school football there, but they might not be as known for it as Ohio is. But they know that they're upsetting people to the extent that they released a statement earlier in the week where they three times mentioned that it was the Big Ten that set the scheduling. Oh, and by the way, if you are going to the game, parking is going to be a mess because Northwestern did not cancel classes. There are going to be a bunch of cars on campus. It's going to be logistically pretty much a nightmare and i bet you there are a lot of ohio state fans who plan on doing that traveling well and i you know as as somebody who graduated from ohio state and less than six four five six months later moved to chicago i can confirm that there are a lot of ohio state alums in the chicagoland area and if you might if you're a young professional and can't make it back to columbus for a game this is obviously a great opportunity to see it so whether it's people actually traveling from columbus to evanston or just people who happen to live in the area who want to go i would imagine you will see quite a bit of scarlet and gray in the stands of ryan field uh, later tonight. But uh, Lori, you mentioned the injury report. I talked about it earlier in this episode, but this is an interesting thing to me because we have uh, Baron Browning is going to be out. Thayer Munford is a game time decision. Joshua Allaby is uh, is also out this week. 
I know that the coaching staff does not talk about injuries, but do, do you get the sense that maybe some of these were lingering things that they wanted to uh, maybe give the players an extra week of rest coming off a bye heading into a big game against Wisconsin? Or should we expect that maybe something happened to some of these players and this might be more long-term uh, in terms of looking forward to the second half of the season? Well, I think the former would be the case with Thayer Munford. We know that he's battled back issues this year, um, but this would be an interesting time for Ohio State to consider resting him up, considering their other problems in terms of injuries along the offensive line. Um, but if there is one guy who it is possibly a just a lingering, recurring thing, Thayer Mumford would be that guy. The others, I haven't gotten any indication that they were battling some sort of nagging condition. So those are questions that are definitely going to be asked after this game. And probably not answered because Ryan Day doesn't talk about those things. But it does seem unusual that coming off of a bye week that you have players who had not really had injury issues earlier in the season are now out, especially someone like Baron Browning, who, while he might not be the starter at middle linebacker, he gets the majority of the snaps. That seems like that could potentially pose some issues, especially next week when Ohio state has to really have all of their linebackers in a row to try to stop one of, if not the best running backs in the country. Yeah, It's very interesting that um, we've seen such improvement in the Ohio state linebacking core this year but we haven't gotten quite the indication on how they are beyond the the, the starters and maybe a couple uh, of other contributors. We we haven't seen their depth tested like we have seen at some other positions, for instance, offensive line. Um, so getting to see that will be a really interesting thing to keep an eye out for on Friday night. Yeah, hopefully that whatever is keeping Baron Browning out is just something limited because yeah. he's been – uh, a really impressive uh, player for Ohio State underrated. this season. Yeah. Underrated. You don't hear a lot about the, the contributions that he's making, but he is. He is very disruptive. Yeah. It, you definitely hear about him if you listen or read any, listen to or right. read anything from Doug Maurice because uh, Doug is a, a big Baron Browning fan, uh, as everybody should be. So, um, Lori, I know you have a another interview to do uh, with a – uh, station out of Cleveland. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Um, I, I am hoping that there's no weird shenanigans that happen on Friday night and we can get this one uh, out of the way and people can get back to watching call or high school football next Friday. And we can talk again, heading into Wisconsin. There has already been some weird shenanigans. Northwestern's game notes said they have not beaten a top five opponent in 1961, but then you, since 1961, but then you look in their media guide and their best win in 61 was against eighth-ranked Notre Dame. So I don't know what they're trying to pull. <laughs> uh, you would think that someone, you know, folks uh, that tangential and close to Medill would know how to uh, check their sources and uh, fact-check things. I, did, I didn't think I would have to fact-check game notes. I but I, I did. Their last win against the top-five opponent was actually 1959 against Iowa. Poor Northwestern. Poor because they have a coach called a superbacks coach. Well, they have a position. That's actually a position. It is what they call their their yes. superbacks, which is yes. Did, didn't wasn't Raymond Harris? What was it? He called the ultra back or something back in the day. That that's okay. Ultra back is kind of cool. Superback. Superback no. just sounds like Clark Kent has taken up 
the fullback position. <laughs> that would be interesting. I would love to see a running back with a cape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lori, thank you so much. Have a good uh, rest of your Thursday and a great Friday, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Matt. Always good to be with you. Don't forget to tune in to the best Buckeye coverage on your radio dial on 610 WTVN before and after the game. We will be back with a look inside the numbers and a prediction after this quick break. Ohio State and Northwestern first played tackle football against each other back in 1913 when OSU won 58-0. The team that would eventually be known as the Buckeyes won six of the first seven matchups before NU rattled off three straight wins from 1929 through 1931. Talk about a Great Depression. Those three consecutive victories for the Purple People Eaters are just one of three times that they have won back-to-back games in the series history. They also did it in 1940 and 41 and 62 and 63. Conversely, from 1972 to 2003, Ohio State won 24 straight times against Northwestern before the Cats knocked off Jim Trestle's team at home in Evanston, 33-27 in 2004, which also just happens to be the last time that Ohio State lost in the series. Overall, the Buckeyes hold a 62-14-1 record against Northwestern and are looking for their 8th straight win in the series. During Ohio State's bye week, the advanced analytics SP Plus from ESPN's Bill Connolly jumped the Buckeyes over Alabama into the top spot in their rankings. Despite Ohio State's offense dropping to number six in the country, OSU continues to have the most impressive balance nationally when paired with their fourth-ranked defense in the SP Plus measures. Penn State is the only other team with both offensive and defensive units in the top 10, both coming in right at 10th. While Ohio State is the most balanced team in the country by Connolly's metrics, the Wildcats are the least balanced, coming in at 124th on offense, but 5th on defense. I got the number a little wrong when talking to Lori, I apologize about that. But that makes them 62nd overall. SP Plus predicts a 34-7 victory for Ohio State, giving the Buckeyes a 94% win probability. So Connolly has... The margin of victory pretty close to the spread, but the total fairly safely on the under. In his analytics game preview, our Chad Peltier notes that the Wildcats defense should be a good practice for the Ohio State offense as they get ready to take on Wisconsin next week. NU's defense has a negative 1.36 expected points added number, which is like the football equivalent of wins above replacement in baseball, which puts them in the top 10. Despite the impressive defensive analytics, the Wildcats' traditional stats aren't as strong. They come into the game ninth in the Big Ten in total defense, allowing 318.8 yards per game, 176 through the air, and nearly 143 on the ground. They are giving up only about 20 points per game, which is almost exactly in the middle of the conference. On the other hand, their offense is just as bad as you would expect it to be. They are accumulating only 293 yards per game, better than only Rutgers in the league, including the conference's worst 140 yards through the year. Northwestern quarterbacks have thrown for only two touchdowns on the season. They are slightly better running the ball with 152.4 yards per game on the ground, good for ninth in the conference. As I discussed with Lori, their quarterback situation is a bit of a mess, 
Both quarterbacks, Clemson transfer Hunter Johnson and Aiden Smith, have thrown for one touchdown and four interceptions apiece. Johnson has 367 yards passing, and Smith has 273 on the season. Drake Anderson is Northwestern's bell cow running back, averaging 4.9 yards per carry on the season. With sophomore Isaiah Bowser out for the second straight game, Anderson should get the bulk of the carries. Riley Lees is NU's top wide receiver in terms of receptions with 19, and is bunched with two others at the top in terms of yardage, Ben Skowronek and J.J. Jefferson, who has hauled in both of the team's TD passes on the season. As Lori noted, Patty Fisher and Joe Graziano are the two big-name players for the Wildcats' defense, and Artia Williams looked at both in her Defensive Players to Watch article earlier this week. Mr. Steal Your Ball Fisher has 37 tackles on the season, one pick, and three passes defended, while Graziano leads the team with six and a half tackles for loss. Junior DB Travis Willock actually leads the team in tackles with 44. Before I get into my prediction for the game, I want to run through the game times for some of Saturday's biggest games since Ohio State will be off. At 3.30 on ABC, number 12 Oregon will visit number 25 Washington. At 6 on the Pac-12 network, which you almost certainly don't get, the number 13 Utah Utes will host the number 17 Fighting Herm Edwards of Arizona State. Then at 7.30 on ABC, the big game nationally and in the Big Ten, We'll see the number 16 Michigan Wolverines travel to Happy Valley to get beaten up by the number 7 Penn State Nittany Lions. Anyway, back to Ohio State, who will be looking to get out of tonight's game, obviously with a victory, but also while avoiding any injuries that could prove costly next week against the Badgers. As Lori and I discussed during his media availabilities this week, Ryan Day has praised the Northwestern defense, but I think that it will actually be the Wildcats' offense that ends up allowing the Buckeyes to put up big points in the game. NU's inability to move the ball with consistency will give Ohio State short fields to work with, maximizing OSU's scoring chances. I would not be surprised if the starters, especially Justin Fields, don't play much past the third quarter, especially if there are multiple players out on the offensive line. However, I do think that Fields, along with J.K. Dobbins, will put up decent enough numbers in limited play. Fields will pass for 230 yards on something like 16 of 20 passing for three touchdowns, and I think he'll pick up another score on the ground. Dobbins will likely be the workhorse tonight, putting up 135 yards and two scores rushing. I'd imagine that the Cats will be down early and will be forced to pass, allowing the Buckeye defensive line and linebackers to pin their ears back and get to whomever the quarterback is. After having only half a sack against Michigan State two weeks ago, I think that Chase Young will have at least one and a half this week to become the first player to 10 on the season. I could also see the defense picking off a ball or two. Maybe Jordan Fuller will finally have a pick six that counts this week and doesn't get erased by a bogus penalty. In a Q&A I did earlier in the week with our Northwestern sister site Inside NU, I predicted a 49-10 victory for the Buckeyes, and while my gut tells me that Ohio State will call off the dogs early in this one, I think that the damage will be done by the fourth quarter, and I will stick to that score, even if I think the total points might be a little bit high.
All right, that's all we have for today. As always, Land Grant Holy Land will have you covered before, during, and after the game. I will be matching buttons on Twitter during the contest, so please feel free to follow along and share your thoughts at LandGrant33, your social media home for all of Land Grant Holy Land's Ohio State news, analysis, and sarcasm. You can follow our friend Lori Schmidt on Twitter at Lori Schmidt and her station at 610 WTVN News. I'm on Twitter at VWWMatt as well, and if you are not already, please subscribe to Land Grant Holy Land's one-of-a-kind podcast network, where we not only bring you unique news, interviews, and analysis, but we've also got perspectives on sports and the Buckeyes unlike any other Ohio State podcast around. So, with all of that out of the way, there's only one thing left to say. Go Bucks.